Well, hello, this is Tim Marr, and this is Failing Up. That's right, Failing Up. Thank you, Jungle Jim. Oh, what a wonderful, wonderful musical introduction by the wonderfully talented musical director, Jungle Jim. And I'm recording this podcast on December 8th. That's right, Wednesday, December 8th, 2021. Oh, it's about 8.40 in the evening on a chilly December evening here in the Northeast on the banks of the Seneca River, feeding the mighty Lake Ontario through these rivers that flow north. One of the few rivers that flows north is the Oswego River in the Lake Ontario, feeding the mighty St. Lawrence and out into the Atlantic Ocean. Or if you go over, you can head over to Buffalo to Niagara Falls. Did you hear? Today in the news on uh, 12 there was a car that almost went over Niagara Falls. Unfortunately, the individual in the car, I believe it was a 60-year-old woman, she was dead in the vehicle, but the vehicle had gone down the Niagara River and was 50 yards, 50 yards from going into, going over Niagara Falls. And I don't know if you've ever been to Niagara Falls, especially on the Canadian side, you get right there and you can stand there right on the edge and the power of that water and the rapids, man, I mean, uh, once you get past a certain point, you're going over. And I know people, uh, you know, boat around there, the Niagara River, but I was talking to a friend of mine, and, and she was saying that, you know, you get to a point where there's warning signs, there's warning ropes, there's warning, there's warning, there's warning, and why the hell would you keep going? I mean, who wants to push that envelope and keep going, and next thing you know, you're you're shooting over Niagara Falls. Shooting over Niagara Falls. No thank you very much. Um... Here we are on a beautiful, beautiful early December evening. Uh, you know, Christmas is in the air. The holidays are in the air. It's uh, it's really a wonderful time. We, we are getting snow up here in the Northeast. If you drop down to New York City, it's just a wonderful place to be uh, for Christmas. A very magical place. But it's December. It's it's 12 8, 21. And 41 years ago, uh, on 12 8, uh, John Lennon was murdered. 41 years ago, on this date, John Lennon was murdered. And it's one of those um, moments in, in many people's lives where they say, I know where I was when John Lennon was murdered. And it's one of those moments in many people's lives who uh, lost a piece of themselves when, when that day, just a tragic day. And it, it's still... Um, brings uh for me personally a tremendous amount of sadness you know i uh i grew up in the 60s and i remember uh i don't really i remember vaguely i was four years old when jfk was assassinated i was um nine years old when martin luther king jr dr martin luther king jr and bobby kennedy were assassinated i remember those vividly uh, bobby kennedy was one of my idols um I remember uh, the Challenger. I remember, uh, of course, 9-11, like all. And I remember John Lennon's uh, death. And it's such a huge loss. You know, John Lennon, at least as far as I was concerned, he was the core of the Beatles. Now, the Beatles were the Fab Four. You know, John Lennon was considered the smart Beatle. Paul was considered the pretty Beatle. I don't know, Ringo was the funny beagle, and uh, Paul or uh, George was the quiet beetle. But Lennon was the whimsical, witty guy with the sharp, uh, acerbic, acerbic. Is that the word? Yeah. Am I pronouncing it right? Acerbic? Acerbic? Wit. Uh, and he, there was something about him. There was something about his wit. There was something about 
his irreverence um, that was really attractive. You know, the Beatles came to the United States. They arrived on my birthday on February 7th, 1964. I turned five years old. They appeared on Ed Sullivan that Sunday night, February 9th, 1964. That February was, um, you know, only three months removed from the assassination of President Kennedy, John F. Kennedy. And, and a country, this country, our country, was just in mourning and in shock. Because in November 22nd, 1963, John F. Kennedy was assassinated. Also in 1963, the Beatles released one of their large albums. I don't know if it was Meet the Beatles, but they released a big single in 1963 on November 22nd. So it was a country and it was a time that was in shock. We had this, this uh, new frontier, this young, energetic president you know, coming off these old stodgy presidents and providing hope and vigor, uh, youth, and, and, and it was just taken away, taken away. And uh, I was too young to remember that, but I vividly remember the Beatles arriving. And when the Beatles arrived in the United States and on Ed Sullivan, everything changed. I mean, everything changed. I was uh, turned five years old. When they arrived, and, and I was you know, two days removed from being five, and that spring, it was all Beatles. And my grandparents, in the, uh, my grandma and grandpa Hines, are pretty cool. They got us Beatle wigs. They got Beatle ornaments. Everything was the Beatles. The music was it was just different than anything anybody ever heard. Uh, I don't even know if parents knew what to do with these guys. They opened the door for the flood of the British invasion. Everything changed. The music changed, and there, there was no group, no group that was on par with the Beatles or could be even be compared to the Beatles. There were a number of groups, a number of groups who were there, who were behind the Beatles. Uh, obviously, the Rolling Stones. People talk about the Rolling Stones. I heard, um, I heard uh, Roger Daltrey of the Who said the difference between the Beatles and the Stones are, if you walked by a bar and the Stones were playing in it, you'd say that's a decent band. The Beatles just changed everything, and they evolved as the decade evolved. And you, you have to wonder who led who. Did the Beatles lead the change, or was it was it was just? And, and I was growing at that point. I was five. I was six in 1965. You know, 1968, 69. So during the Beatles era of 64 in the U.S., they, they were around way before that. But in the U.S., from 1964 to 1970, I went from five to 11. My formative years were paralleled to the Beatles, and every step along the way, the Beatles were a part of that. The Beatles were, and, and, and the rest of society changed along with them. I mean, even sports, you had the AFL, you had, you know, Joe Namath, you had more rock bands, you had protests, um, psychedelic colors, this, 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 the, 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 the summer of love in San Francisco, you know, just life was just bursting and, and, and uh, questions were being asked. And it seemed like the Beatles were at the forefront of it all. And it seemed like the Beatle that was at the forefront of it all was John Lennon. John Lennon was the voice. John Lennon was the one who stood out and, and stepped out. You know, John Lennon was the one who, uh, to me, seemed like the real artist in the Beatles. You know, I think Paul McCartney was the pop in the Beatles, but Lennon was the real artist. You know, the sit-in in Amsterdam and the, and the songs that he wrote as a Beatle with McCartney, but even after the Beatles. One of my favorite Beatles songs was also one of Lennon's favorite Beatles songs, which he said was, rec well, was actually recorded too quickly, and that was Help. I love the song Help. 
And when you when you read about what what the song is about and why he wrote it, uh, it's a great song. And I think that's probably one of my favorite Beatles songs. I love Help. I love A Day in the Life. I like some of their older stuff too. Um, I loved Lennon's voice. When you saw heard Lennon and McCartney sing, you say, they're the Beatles, you know? And then and then his solo career was just, you know, his, his politics. He stayed true to himself. He stayed true to his beliefs. Uh, and eventually, you know, he, he moved to New York and he loved New York. He loved Manhattan because it was a place where he could be himself and, and, and with his wife, Yoko Ono, and their new child. Uh, and the music he wrote afterwards, I mean, Imagine, and the, the album, Working Class Hero, all these just incredible songs. And Imagine, Imagine is probably, I, I don't know if it's true, it's one of the most covered songs ever, is Imagine. Um, one of the most beautiful songs ever written. You know, I, I my two, when I when you think of a beautiful song, when I think of a beautiful song, I have two that, that, that I think of. One is Imagine by John Lennon, and the other is Sound of Silence by Simon and Garfunkel. Two just beautiful songs and, and bookends for me, bookends for me. You know, and then, and then Lennon disappears. I'm in my teen years now, you know, and, and people who grew up with the Beatles are in their teen, now they're in their teens or their 20s or getting into, the, and Lennon disappears. He's gone. What happened to John Lennon? He became a father, and he dropped out. But he really didn't drop out, because if you read the interviews with him, uh, the interview that was, oops, excuse me, the interview that was done, um, excuse me, the interview that was uh, done by the Rolling Stone about three days before his death, he said, he, I didn't drop out, he said, I became a dad. We wanted to have a child, and we had a child, and we didn't want to screw it up. I wanted to be a dad. That's what I wanted to do. I didn't go into hiding. I became a father, and I love being become a father. That's what he said. And then it was time to record again. And he comes out and he and he puts out Double Fantasy. I'll never forget when Double Fantasy came out. I, I ran out and I got the album. And I but but before I got the album, I remember when it went on the radio, um, and I couldn't believe it because there was. I remember laying in bed and Double Fantasy. Um, I forgot which song was coming on, um, but it came on and there was John Lennon's voice, and I thought to myself. There's the voice of the Beatles, you know. Uh, you, you heard a lot of Paul McCartney throughout the 70s. Uh, and Lennon had some songs up until about 75, great songs, wonderful songs. But there he was again, that voice, you know, the, that was the voice of the Beatles, you know. Uh, Lennon and McCartney in harmonizing with Harrison, of course, were the voice of the Beatles, but no one had that distinct voice of John Lennon. And um, it was like... A shot of of, of of life just got fired up, you know. John Lennon's, you know, back. Um, smart guy, you know, great interviewer. Uh, always said smart things, funny things, wise guy. Uh, you know, stuck, believed in what he believed in, in peace, and became, you know, uh, a great, you know, the greatest, one of the greatest songwriters of all time. You know, a leader, a leader of the the whole movement, and. And, 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 a, and a philosopher and a writer and an artist. And, and you know, if you, when, they, when they came there in 64, and if you were a kid like me, or even if you were a teen or you're in your 20s, you know, your life's paralleled them. And all of a sudden, in the zapping of a night, he's gone. Not as the only gone, he's gone by an act of violence, which he detested. He was shot in cold blood and killed. Icons upon icons. Later that night, 
as the uh, Monday Night Football game was going on, the New England Patriots were playing uh, somebody. I don't know who else they were playing. I can see right now because uh, uh, our uh, archive person, our archive person, archive person uh, known as just, we just know him as Cousin Nick does the archives and, the, and Cousin Nick does the uh, history for the, the podcast here. So thank you for, for that, Cousin Nick. And he sent me, uh, we're looking at the archives, right? Yeah, okay. I got you. I got you. He's, he's in the headset right now screaming at me. Uh, I know. I know. I know. But it was the New England Patriots playing the Miami Dolphins with 24 seconds left in the game. ABC had gotten um, – I'm going to be right. One of the reporters from ABC happened to be coming off work, but he got the police scanner that John Lennon was shot. He went to the site. He found out. He, he got to the hospital. He, he was there when it was confirmed. And it went to ABC. Rune Arledge at ABC. I think he was the uh, news director at ABC at the time. We're in sports. And, and Howard Cosell, Danny Don, and uh, um, Frank Gifford were doing Monday Night Football, and it came out. And they didn't know what to do. Do we, do we give it on the broadcast? Do we hold it? What do we do? Now Howard Cosell was actually friends with Lennon and a big fan of Lennon, but actually friends. Lennon actually went to a Monday Night Football game, uh, and they decided that no, we're we're going to break the story. We're going to break it. And uh, towards the end of the game, as the game was getting ready, I, I think it might have gone into overtime, and the field goal kicker was coming out, uh, Howard Cosell broke the news, uh, putting into perspective what it meant uh, at the backdrop of a football game. Here's an iconic Howard Cosell. I couldn't think of a better person to do this, um, informing those on this new pop culture show, this new creation of Monday Night Football, which was created in 1970. Now it's 1980, and this became like, you know, Americana. Monday Night Football was a thing you did uh, announcing that John Lennon was shot and killed. He's had two shots in the back. He said, arguably, the most famous of the Beatles has been shot and killed. I was working at a local television station at the time, WSTM in Syracuse, working a teleprompter on the 6 and 11 o'clock news. And we got the 11 o'clock news was over, and I used to walk home from, from work. Uh, I was going to Syracuse University, and I walked. Didn't have a pot to piss in. And by the time the newscast ended at 11.30, you'd be out of the studio by 11.40. I'd walk home. I got home to my new apartment, and I turned on the television set. And John Lennon was dead. Not only was the life of an incredible artist, musician, father, husband taken away, a part of our lives who had experienced that ride was taken away. A piece of us was shot that night. A piece of us was shot. A piece of us was stomped on. Uh, it was a piece that, that, you know, if you grew up in that era, no matter, you know, if you were five like me or 15 or 25, I guess you had to be under 30, um, something was taken away that night. Something was ripped out that night. Something was stolen that night. And there was a void taken away. That's never been filled. That has never been filled, you know. And uh, again, there are, there are some, you know, uh, moments in history where that occurs. I think when you think about uh, the plane crash with Buddy Holly, uh, Richie Valance, and the Big Bopper, uh, I believe that was February 4th, 1959. 
ironically, three days before I was born. Uh, that's the day the music ended. Something was taken away. Taken away something. It was tragic. Taking losses. Then you move on. JFK. The birth of the Beatles in the United States of America. And then something was taken away in 1980. Uh, there'll never be another Beatles after that. They're not going to reunite. You know, it's, it's a... And in many cases, and I'm sure, you know, some would disagree, and one of them would be Paul McCartney, the leader of the Beatles, the real leader of the Beatles, the real spine of the Beatles, the real spice of the Beatles, the Tabasco sauce of the Beatles was gone. So this is really uh, a melancholy day, you know, a melancholy day. And um, I mourn him as I would mourn a family because in many ways John Lennon was a family member because he and his artwork and his music held my hand while I grew up. In December 8th of 1980 I was 21 years old and on February 9th of 1964 I was five years old. Those are some primitive formative freaking years. So Jungle Jim, I hear you playing. You're going to get us out of here. This is uh, Failing Up, Tim Mahar, on the day that uh, we, we lost a great, a great human being. So uh, take it away, Jungle Jim. Uh,